as you can tell, we are not in the Gospel of John. For some of you, you're like, whew, good, need a break from the Gospel of John. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking, actually. But we want to change it up again, like I said before, during the month of December, as we wait for the Lord's second coming, look back at His first coming. And so what we're going to do is we're going to work through the first chapter over the next four weeks. Yes, it will take us four weeks to go through one chapter. That doesn't surprise many of you. We're going to go through the first chapter of Luke. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll have a service together where we sing some of the Christmas songs, we pray to our Lord, and then we will read the birth of Christ story together on Christmas Eve for those of you who can come. So this is to prepare our hearts for a month for that night. But again, this is not just a means to an end. We do hope and ask that God will encourage us each Sunday. And my prayer, as I said, is that we will walk away, you will walk away with hope today. So we have a lot to cover today. So we're going to jump into it. Um, Let me quickly just tell you that Luke is, as far as we know in the New Testament, the only Gentile writer meaning he wasn't Jewish. Luke, in Colossians, we find out that he was a physician, so we can call him Dr. Luke. And it's interesting that God has ordained that Luke would write this because he's a doctor, and so that means he needs to be able to pay attention to details. At least, we like our doctors to do that. Some of you might say, I don't have a doctor that does that very well. Well, they should. Luke traveled with the Apostle Paul. He wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. To set the scene for you, where he kicks it off, it has been over 400 years of silence from the Lord. The Old Testament in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, it ends with this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And that was the last word that God's people had. For over 400 years, they were waiting and waiting and waiting for a prophet, for a word from the Lord. Can you imagine generations of waiting? For me, this kind of builds up this idea of maybe some were starting to lose hope. Is the Lord really going to do what He said? Is He going to come and deliver us? Where's the promised Messiah? But they were faithfully, like we'll see with Zechariah, trying to worship the Lord and do the things that they were supposed to do until He came. So what seems to happen is there's this guy, Theophilus, and he seemed to become a believer, and he wants to know some information. And it seems like he has this relationship with Luke, and maybe he even pays for the whole thing. We don't really know. But he wants to find out, what I, he's thinking, I have believed in Christ. Is this real? Is this true? He believes it is. He wants somebody to investigate. So he calls on Dr. Luke to investigate. And that's where we're going to pick up chapter 1, verse 1. Let's work through it together. 
Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. What's he starting off saying? He's saying, there's been a lot of people who've been writing about Jesus. This is not just the other Gospels. There's a lot of things being written about Jesus at this time. So Luke's saying, hey, there's a bunch of stuff out there, a bunch of information, but it seems good to me that I need to write a very meticulous, ordered account of what has taken place. That was Luke's job. Now again, this is all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so that way we would have this complete or fairly complete picture of the life of Jesus. Notice it's a narrative of things that have been accomplished among us. So again, using this language that this is not just something they heard a long time ago. He's going to go and he's actually going to research and talk to the people, eyewitnesses, those who are ministers of the word. He's going to go and make sure that he has testimony of the people who are with Jesus. It's reliable. That's what he's saying. The information I'm giving to you, O Theophilus, is reliable. He's going to write the orderly account, verse 4, that you may have... Certainty concerning the things you have been taught. What's the point? You've been taught these things. This is to help you have certainty. That's what I pray that over the next four weeks, that's what's going to, this is going to help us to know, yeah, this is true. The Word of God is true. Starting into verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, or Zacharias, some of your translations may say of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. A lot of neat stuff in just this little part. Tells us the setting, who's the king at the time. So we know that he's a priest. He's going to serve in the temple regularly. So he's a pretty faithful guy from what we can see, this Zechariah. And he's talking about this division Abijah, there's 24 divisions of the priests divided up, and you would serve, those, the, the division would serve twice a year. He's from the 8th division, so his division would serve twice a year, but only one guy got to go in and do the job that he gets to do here. The meaning of his name is interesting. It means Yahweh has remembered. 400, over 400 years. And his name means Yahweh has remembered. Elizabeth, people, uh, commentators and th- things say her, me- her name would mean God's oath or his oath. So you put them together, God has remembered his oath. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Love that. What's really interesting, this is like a power couple right here. Like, he's from the priest, and she's also from Aaron's line. So you have two of these from the priestly line married together. Whoa, power couple in the church. Look at that. I love verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. Okay? Doesn't mean they were perfect, but if they messed up, they certainly would have made the proper sacrifices. They were seeking God. Power couple... Seeking God. And then the next verse is there. 
And for some time, some reason, it just doesn't make sense sometimes. What does it say? But, verse 7, they had no children, no child, because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. That shouldn't be the case. Not this couple. They're faithful, walking blamelessly before the Lord. How could it be that they would not have children? Because again, even in our day, but especially in that day, that was a sign we see at the end of the passage. Verse 25, I'm just going to read this to you. We'll get to it again. Thus the Lord, this is what Elizabeth says, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when He looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people once she's able to have a baby. Why would the Lord do this? If anyone should be having kids, it should be this couple. Sometimes these things happen and it's not because we've been bad. Sometimes tragedies happen. Sometimes there's difficulties. Sometimes you can't have children. Sometimes things in your marriage don't work out. Sometimes there's sickness. Sometimes there's these things. And it's not because you've done something wrong. Is there discipline from the Lord in Scripture? Absolutely. But there's also this idea that this world has fallen and things just don't add up like they should sometimes. But don't forget that even in that God is sovereign over all of that, and he's still working all these things for our good. And so it's been a long time that they've probably wanted children, and they haven't had it. And they faithfully have been serving, walking blamelessly before the Lord, but still not getting what they've been desiring. So the idea that the nation of Israel have been waiting to hear from God for 400 plus years, I'm pretty sure that these two have been waiting to hear from God as well. And now they're getting older, and it seems like it's not going to happen. I want to make sure that you understand that just because there's trials in your life, it doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It may mean that it's a result of living in this fallen world. And it definitely means that God wants to use those trials to conform you more to the image of His Son. He wants you to depend on Him. He wants you to run to Him. He wants you to faithfully cry out to Him. And He wants you to have hope that He's going to answer. It may not be the answer you expect but his promise is that he'll walk through it with you no matter what it is. Verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, so like I said, it was their turn, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. Someone help me real quick. What's a lot? Not a parking lot. What is it? What's that? Yeah, like kind of drawing straws, rolling dice, this thing that you would do, Okay. So, really, when they would get, get together, this was an honor. You got to do this one time in your life to serve in this way in the temple, to burn this incense. Okay? So, they're going to roll dice to see whose turn it is. We've learned before together that even the dice doesn't land on a number without the Lord deciding what number it lands on. So, you could say, man... Jesus was about to be born and we needed a prophet to come that would kind of be like Elijah. It's a really good thing. It's a lucky thing that John or that Zechariah, the lot landed on him. Woo! Glad that worked out. Or you can say and marvel at the providence of our God where he says, no, no, I'm going to work all this together. And then when you guys roll the dice, Zechariah is going to be on his one time to serve in the temple. In this way. 
It's cool. All right. So he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. They were to go in. He was to go in in the morning, in the evening, and burn this incense. And as the smoke goes up, that's to be the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the people outside, the prayers of the nation, praying to God. He's to keep that going. And what's interesting is it's supposed to keep going all the time. The prayers were to go all the time. Does that sound familiar? Should we be praying without ceasing, right? That's the same idea. What's also great about that is he would go in and he would make these prayers for the people. But after Jesus' death on the cross, after his resurrection and he ascends to the right hand of the Father, do you know now who's constantly praying for us? Jesus does. Okay? Jesus is a better priest. He's the great high priest for us. So he's chosen by the lot, he's burning the incense, he's praying, the whole multitude outside are praying, probably crying out, Lord, we want to hear from you, send your Messiah, save us, please. And then verse 11 happens. (laughs) Look at this. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of the incense. He's in there. We're, we're assuming he's doing it right. He's not in there like doing dance moves or anything. He's really praying, crying out, and all of a sudden, an angel's there. Now, I don't want you to think, fat, cute little baby. That's not the angel. Okay? We have a problem in our culture with what we think angels are. Listen, I love Heather. Is she in here right now? No. I love my wife. It is not accurate for me to call her an angel. We're about to see what an angel is. It could be more of an insult if I were to call her an angel. Humans are not angels. We are something different. You don't die, and we don't say, well, heaven just needed one more angel. Nope, that's not a biblical way of thinking. Angels are different. In fact, what's interesting is angels are here right now, Scripture says. They're watching right now because we have something that they long to look into. Salvation. They don't understand that. Not the way we do. They don't understand it, so they long to look into it and they're watching and they're praising God as we faithfully praise God. So the angel appears (laughs) and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. That's pretty much the reaction when angels come in Scripture. Whoa! And they normally have to say the next thing to the people, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Okay? Not fat little babies. Okay? Not some really pretty lady. Warrior angels, multiple wings, six wings, maybe all this just fire. Don't be enough to where he has to say, Ah, and he goes, No, don't be afraid. I'm not here to destroy you. Got a message. Got a message. For your prayer has been heard. He's been praying. He's at the altar. What prayer? What prayer has been heard? He's praying for the nation of Israel, certainly. It's part of his job right there. What prayer in particular? And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son doesn't have this idea that he's been sitting there praying for a son, for a child. 
I think they've been praying for a long time. He hadn't lost hope yet. He hadn't lost hope. Now, is the ultimate end to have a child? No, it's a wonderful thing. The Lord calls some of us to it and some He doesn't. But in this case, God saw that it was good for Zechariah and Elizabeth to have a child. And it's to be a unique child. And He had them wait all that time. But think about the child. It's not, this, it's not the Christ. That's a pretty special one too, of course. But right after the Christ, the one who gets to pave the way, the first prophet that's to come after 400 plus years, do you think that they may have been okay with waiting at that point once they find that out? Maybe then, like, okay, Lord, you know what you're doing. You are faithful. You are good. He says your prayer has been heard. Saints, I want you to know that when you're crying out to God, even if it's been for many, many years, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, your prayers are heard. Just because it's not the answer as quick as you want doesn't mean he's not listening. He might just be teaching you other things or the fullness of time hasn't come yet for that prayer. And you shall call his name John. You know what John means? Jehovah or Yahweh has shown grace. He shows grace to him. He remembers his oath. He doesn't forget. And he shows them grace. Verse 14, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. I have no idea what to do with that verse. That's unbelievable. Can you imagine you finding out you're going to have a baby and an angel comes and speaks to you and says, oh yeah, there's going to be so many people thankful that your child's coming. There's going to be people who are rejoicing. They're going to have gladness because of this child. And I'm putting my hand on this child in a special way. I'm choosing this child because look at this. He says, even before the child's born, he's going to be full with the Holy Spirit. Just as a side note, I'm not getting political. I'm being biblical. It needs to end the discussion on abortion. Holy Spirit inside. A baby in the womb. Incredible. How do we get the Holy Spirit? We pray to God. We ask Him to be our Savior, our Lord and Savior. Repent of our sins. And then we're filled with the Holy Spirit. In some miraculous way, in some different way, God has said, I'm putting the Holy Spirit in them now. In the womb. Because I have something unique and special for John to do. Can you imagine? I'm like, I get excited when my kids like can do a cartwheel. Right? I mean, they do something. Caleb plays basketball. Liam plays the piano. Naya's cheerleading. Liana playing volleyball. I get so excited. I'm like, yeah, proud dad. Right? Can you imagine where Elizabeth and Zechariah must be hearing that about the child? that God is graciously going to give them? (sighs) And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. What more would you want with a life? To turn many of the people to God. And 
And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Do you remember that from Malachi that we just read? I'm going to send Elijah to you, right? That same. Well, this is, oh, we know who he is. He's the one that's supposed to come and do this. Pave the way to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. His job was to come and prepare. Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? Oh, that's not the right question! Right? Like an angel just showed up, just told you your, aunt, your prayers have been answered, you're going to have a kid, and this is what's going to happen with this kid. And Zechariah said to the angel, not, Woohoo! Praise the Lord! All right! I've been waiting on that. I'm excited. How shall I know this? He lacked a little bit of faith, didn't he? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Have we ever heard that before? <laughs> right? There's even a biblical idea in the Old Testament of the same thing, but he's still like, how's this going to work? I'm not sure about this. You know why I think Zechariah is like that? I think he's been waiting a long time. There may have been times that maybe they thought they were going to have a child. Something was going on, and maybe this is the time, and then no. Proverbs 13.12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It may have been hard for them to believe after all this time it was really going to go true, come true. And I think that's us sometimes. Have you ever prayed for something? Have you ever actually been praying for something regularly, and then when you get the answer, you're shocked that it happened? You ever had that? Like we, why, should, why, why would we do that? Because we're just like Zechariah. And we struggle from time to time with that. He actually prays, and he gets the answer to his prayer, and he says, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The an- and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel... We only see, as far as names of angels, we have Gabriel, Michael, then of course there was Lucifer who became Satan. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. He's saying, here's how you know. I'm an angel. God sent me to tell you this. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. Friends, listen to me. It's not good to doubt God. It never goes well when we doubt God. When we don't believe the things of God, it doesn't go well. He says these words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Verse 22, And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. Later on in the chapter, which we're going to see, it says that he also makes signs to them. It seems like he was not able to speak and he wasn't able to hear. Can you imagine? Go in. Oh, he's, he's going to be out in a minute. He comes back out and he just... <laughs> what are you doing? We're not playing charades right now, Zechariah. How'd the prayers go? What's he motioning? Like, it's got to be crazy. And when his time, his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden. 
It's an interesting response. If you found out you were pregnant and you've been waiting that long, wouldn't you just be out in the street screaming it? Alice was pretty much about as quickly as she found out she's going to be a grandma. We all knew. Right? It seems that she was staying, perhaps, to worship the Lord and spend time with Him, to be thankful. Don't know exactly. But I'll tell you what's interesting. He goes home. Right? He's not off at work anymore. He goes home. <laughs> Lord, the Lord knows our marriages. He doesn't get to hear or speak for, for, five, for the whole time with the baby. She's pregnant for the first time forever. Can you imagine what would have been happening in that house? <laughs> she doesn't have to listen to him. He doesn't have to listen to her. She's really excited. Interesting. And then 25, and I love what's said here. Elizabeth says, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when He looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people. We see throughout this that God hears your prayers. And believer, I want you to know that just like Elizabeth, He sees you. He looks upon you. And what's even more incredible than just giving a child, which is pretty amazing, especially to this couple, so that your reproach would be taken away. Even better, he gives his child, he gives his son, so that all of our reproaches would be taken away. That way, we would not be looked at by God with any type of judgment or condemnation. He gives his child to us to take all of that away. Your reproach has been taken away. That's how much He loves you. He sees you and He says, I'm taking away your reproach on the cross. So what does this mean? If you're not a believer, you're actually not in that situation yet. So if you find yourself in here today and you're visiting or maybe you've been here a lot and you still don't truly know Christ, that reproach is still on you because you have not put your faith in Christ. You are not justified before God. It's through faith in Christ that we are justified. That it looks like our sin is, God doesn't even see our sin. It's taken away. If you're not in Christ, you don't have that yet. If you're a non-believer, today you become a Christian. That's your, that's your response. If you are a believer... I want you to be encouraged. I want you to have hope. Your God hears your prayers. Your God sees you. He remembers you. He loves you. And as we look back at His first coming, as we're preparing our hearts and we're thankful that He's come, as you're laboring like Zechariah and Elizabeth, as you're struggling as life gets hard, as you're like, I just wish he'd come back already. I want to be done with this. He's coming. He's coming. You be faithful like Zechariah and Elizabeth until he comes back or until he calls you home. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for my friends. I pray for my family. 
I pray right now, Lord, that you would work in the hearts of everyone that's in here. I pray, Lord, for those who do not know you, that they would come to know you right now. I pray they would not care what anyone else thinks. I pray they would only care what you think. I pray that they would understand the love that you have for them. I pray that they would understand that that love is so great that you would give your son to die on that cross as a sacrifice. I pray they would marvel at the fact that after three days you rose to defeat sin, Satan, and death. Lord, for the rest who are in here, Lord, who are already followers of you, Lord, they may be in a season of, I'm waiting to hear from you, God. I'm waiting for a while to hear from you. Getting old in age, and I'm still waiting to hear from you on this. Help them to know that you see them, that you hear them, and help them to know that they need not lose hope. Because even if things don't work out the way we desire or hope in this life, help everyone in here to understand that you will make all things right when you come back. Lord, if anyone has some business to do with you in prayer, or if they need me to pray for them, I pray that they come down during this time. But again, Lord, they can also do that from their pews. Help us now to apply these things to our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.